Okay, um, thank you, Patricia. Thanks for that um, um, introduction and welcome. Um, yeah, um, I'm just I'm going to try and race through this um, in 15 minutes. Um, and yes, um, the title I've got a, a second title as well for for this talk, um, as well as the making of a Briti black British underclass question mark. Um, I've also uh, um, I'm going to frame it in the terms of the the feral underclass or those kind of people. Okay. Um, okay. So. TV historian David Starkey's much publicised comments on the role of black culture in the August 2011 riots highlighted the role of the media in fostering and perpetuating negative stereotypes of black youth and culture. But alongside Starkey, the immediate aftermath of the riots saw an even more pernicious demonisation of black British multi-ethnic culture via the return of underclass narratives. This talk will very briefly touch on some of the wider implications of representations of black culture being linked to underclass theories and the media and government's attempts to blame the riots on, quote, a feral, a feral, a feral underclass. So, last week, Sean Hall, the brother of Mark Duggan, speaking at the launch of the Tottenham Defence Campaign, denounced the initial police and media version of events which suggested his brother's death in Tottenham was the result of a, quote, shootout. Calling for justice for the Duggan family and criticising the punitive and moral panic response of mainstream politicians, including Tottenham's own white-sounding MP, David Lammy, community, <laughs> community activist Stafford Scott, who personally witnessed the Broadwater Farm riots of 1985, declared, quote, when we hear them talking about punishing people, removing benefits, a feral underclass, that is not our reality. Our reality is that this erupted 26 years, years ago on Broadwater Farm Estate. Stafford Scott's reference to the representation of some in the Tottenham community as an underclass is an important one. This is so, I would argue, because, because use of the term underclass is often associated with ideas around a feckless and undeserving poor. These are Victorian ideas. We are solely responsible for their own social predicament. Perhaps Stafford Scott's refusal to accept the political and media establishment's attempts to dismiss the issue of police harassment and social injustice underlying the Tottenham riots in the wake of Mark Duggan's death as the criminality, pure and simple, you might recognise those words, Criminality, pure and simple, of a black, multi-ethnic underclass is based on the fact that having lived through the Broadwater Farm riots of 1985 and having memories of SOS, stop and search, and police harassment, Stafford Scott understands only too well the social policy implications and dangerous trajectory of a political discourse predicated on the cultural failings and behavioural faults of those trapped in the inner city. Alongside Stafford Scott, commentators at the Institute of Race Relations and Journal Race and Class have also noted the, re the recent return of underclass-type rhetoric on the part of politicians and the mainstream media, which seems to be about manufacturing cons consent for draconian and socially conservative policies via a moralistic public language which condemns the inner city's criminal underclass. But who are the criminal underclass? 
In an article on the killing of Mark Duggan by armed police officers entitled The Spotlight is Back on, back on Black Deaths at the Hands of the Police, the Institute of Race Relations exposed some of the police and mainstream media's techniques for creating stereotyping images and shaping fearful popular perceptions of a black and mixed heritage criminal underclass. I'll, I'll quote from the article. In the immediate aftermath of death, information is placed in the public domain, citing unnamed police sources, which cast doubt on the character of the deceased, tending to frame him as a violent and dangerous black criminal. This information is released long before any, inv long before any investigation, post-mortem or inquest has been carried out. The victim is said to be an habitual drug, drug user, a drug dealer, someone with a violent past, etc. All of which not only prejudges the victim, but also provides vindication for police actions such as a stop, a search, or use of force, or particular restraint techniques. In this way, the media and police create a particular framework for dealing with incidents involving the police and the African Caribbean community. One in which extreme force against black crimin criminality is seen as a necessary evil. So, those of a certain age and generation will recognize the historical trend of this current stereotyping of black youth as similar in pattern and nature to the stereotyping of a generation of black British youth during the 1970s and 1980s with criminality and in particular mugging. In, in, his in his classic analysis of media re representations of black youth during this time, famously entitled Policing the Crisis, Mugging the State and Law and Order, cultural theorist Stuart Hall criticised the exaggerated and racist reporting of black criminality in the British tabloids. Hall suggested that official crime figures were used as a political weapon, as a political weapon during times of economic crisis to justify a capitalist economy which exacerbates social inequalities. So if we just return to those tasked with policing the crisis today, the Institute of Race Relations tells us that, quote, by the end of the week, following Mark Duggan's death, the campaign about him was in full swing. Mark Duggan had already been labelled a gangster, and the Daily Telegraph and the Sun had published stories that he was linked to, the Manche to, that he was linked to Manchester gangsters. The, the Daily Mail went even further, claiming that Duggan was a crack dealer, linked to a string of feared gangs. We were served up the threat of guns, gangsters and drugs, the perfect combination for the Met Police to absolve themselves of culpability for the death. The Institute concludes its report stating, the death of four men in just 19 days following contact with the police is a worrying development. Considering the current climate, as suspected looters are locked up without bail and the public at large bay for more police powers, those targeted will undoubtedly come from an underclass of poor black and white communities. So those who are familiar with Owen Jones's book, Chavs, The Demonization of the Working Class, will know about the white underclass. But who are the black underclass? Long before the recent appearance of Jones's book, Chavs, some British sociologists in the late 1970s were beginning to attach the underclass label to inner city immigrant communities and black British youth. Paul Gilroy, in his, Paul Gilroy sorry, in his 1984 publication, There Ain't No Black in Union Jack, commenting on this trend states that for these social scientists, quote, an underclass status 
results from fearing badly in the markets for jobs, housing and education. By coincidence, in There Ain't No Black and Indian Jack, Paul Gilroy also discussed the cross-cultural wordplay of the song Cockney Translation, released way back in the 1980s by the recently deceased Miley Culture, who died following a police arrest. For Gilroy, Cockney Translation was a refreshing example of multicultural plurality and lyrical fusion. Perhaps David Starkey might have benefited from reading Gilroy before embarking on his sound clash with Owen Jones in the Newsnight studios. Now, Paul Gilroy also highlights the dangers of pandering to or following politicians and the media's lead in stereotypical framing and pathologizing of certain black and multi-ethnic communities. He is particularly wary of what he calls, quote, the stale dish of inner city pathology family breakdown, fatherlessness, fatherlessness and chaos, with rap and hip-hop singled out for special blame. So what of our feral underclass? David Cameron has been quick to attach the feral underclass narrative to his party, and to his party and in Duncan Smith's policy of tackling welfare dependency and mending Britain's broken society. Hence, speaking to constituents in Oxford, Cameron commented, <coughs> I don't doubt that many of the rioters out last week have no father at home. Perhaps they come from one of the, one of the neighbours where it's standard for children to have a mum and not a dad, where it's normal for young men to grow up without a, male role, without a male role model. There is a process of moral hazard in our welfare system, with people thinking they can be as irresponsible as they like because the state will always bail them out. This is all reminiscent of one of the major theorists of underclass discourse, the American Charles Murray. Sponsored by the Sunday Times newspaper, Charles Murray came to the UK in 1989 and described an emergent British underclass. For Murray, the causes and evidence for the UK underclass included undesirable behaviour, drug taking, single parent families, failure to hold down a job, truancy from school, and casual violence within certain inner city communities. Murray wrote that, when I use the term underclass, I'm indeed focusing on a certain type of person, defined not by his condition, e.g. long-term unemployed, but by his deplorable behavior in response to that condition, e.g. unwilling to take jobs that are available to him. Essentially for Charles Murray, the post-war welfare state is responsible for what David Cameron and Ian Duncan Smith now employing Murray's ideas call Britain's broken society. Of course, most of this so-called, sorry, of course, most of the so-called underclass in Charles Murray's country of America were African-American. And we should also note that this political scientist whose ideas are at the heart of David Cameron's remedy for mending broken Britain by reducing welfare dependency and dismantling the welfare state was the author of The Bell Curve. In The Bell Curve, Murray argued that black people had a lower IQ than whites and as a result were contributing to a downward pull on the average IQ throughout the country. These then are just a few of the core ideas contained within underclass discourse, which have become an implicit part of David Cameron and Ian Duncan Smith's social policy for fixing Britain's broken society. And it is the same narrative and discourse implied in David Starkey's comment that the chavs have become black. Sorry, the chavs, the whites, have become black. For Starkey, perhaps both blacks and Jamaican patois speaking whites represent a feral underclass. So, to conclude, 
as this is black history month, rather than invoke the memory of Enoch Powell and revisit those calling for anti-immigration repatriation, as did Starkey on Newsnight, where he seemed to be almost expressing a desire to turn the clock back to the 1500s when his Tudor heroine, Queen Elizabeth, issued a proclamation that, quote, those kind of people, the Blackamoors, should be expelled from the land. A far more fitting historical figure for us to invoke and quote today is Malcolm X, who, warning of the dangers of succumbing to populist rhetoric and media propaganda, stated, if you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the oppressed and loving the people doing the oppressing. Mm -hmm.